If you're here this morning, welcome. And we want you to please turn to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to talk today about seeing God face to face. And I hope you all realize this, that one of these days we will. Whether you're saved or you're unsaved, you are going to see God face to face. The time's coming, it's drawing near. So this is, this is Isaiah's vision. And uh, they, they, you know, I have a lot of favorite stories in the Bible. I mean, really, and this is one of my favorites, you know, because, you know, I used to, th- used, used to think, I still I thought, oh, what would it be like to just to see God, to see him face to face? I envy the apostles and the Old Testament saints during Jesus' time that saw him face to face. Of course, Jesus said, you believe because you've seen. More blessed are those who have not seen, but still going to believe. So, I've said all that to give you time to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8 this morning. And it says simply, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my lips with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity has been taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send, and who will go for me, for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. You know, what would it be like to see God face to face? Isaiah had that experience. And when you think about it, Isaiah's experience of seeing God face to face is like our experience in coming to know Christ. You know, there's so many people that think they have to get their life right that they have to clean up their lives before, before they can have a relationship with Christ. Well, those of us who have been saved know that if we wait until we have our life in what we think ought to be order, then we'll never come to Christ. Nobody would ever be saved. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you, those on the one side of Christ or those who are in Christ, we still have issues. We still have times that we sin. We still have things that we do that we shouldn't do. I'm always reminded of of Paul in the seventh chapter of Romans when he struggles. And he says, the things I should do, I don't do. And the very thing I ought to do, I don't do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this bondage of sin? If you read the life of Paul, you see, you know, he had an anger problem. He, he had a, a little problem with pride. 
He, he had a problem being judgmental. He had, a, he had a problem being harsh, even after he was saved. Now, the older he got, the more mellow he got. So you see him at the ends of his life where God has totally changed him. But there was a time in his life where he says, I was the chief of sinners. I was a blasphemer. I was a violent person. And so he struggled with sin. If you're here today and you say, I don't struggle with sin, then you're lying. Because we all struggle with sin. We, we all see things that we want to do we know we shouldn't do. See, folks, we're sinners. We have a sin nature. But praise be to God, as you read that seventh chapter of Romans, when you get to the eighth chapter, verse 1, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who are walking by the Spirit. Now, folks, you have the Spirit, but the question, are you walking by the Spirit? And, you're not, and you cannot walk by the Spirit unless you let the Spirit control you, and you don't have the Spirit unless you receive Christ. And so every day, I, I keep drumming this in, I keep telling this people, say, Brother Herb, you keep telling us that. Well, you know, it's so important that every day you ask for a fresh filling of the Spirit. So when we see this account of Isaiah, who sees God, sees God high and lifted up. He sees him in all of his holiness. That's kind of a decoration of what happens to us. And so this morning, just briefly, I want to, I want to give you seven steps by which you can have the same experience that Isaiah had. And the very first thing, first of all, you can't be saved until first you experience the glory of God. He saw the glory of God. He saw God on his throne, high and lifted up. Folks, I hope you're here this morning and you've come with expectation. You're not here out of habit. You're not here out of duty. You're here because you couldn't wait to get here to be with the other saints that are sitting beside you. And yes, if you're saved, you're a saint. And you've, and you've come with an expectation. You've come with an expectation for God to do something in your life and to do something in the life of our church. I don't care if you're sitting here in a worship service or if you're at home in your prayer closet or if you are sitting with your Bible on your lap reading. See, when Isaiah had this vision of God, he saw a God bigger than him. He saw a God that was greater than him. Folks, when you come to worship, you need to come expecting to meet a God that's larger than anything that you can imagine. See, we have a, we have a problem. And our problem is we want to put God in a box. We want to put God in our limited understanding. We want him to meet our criteria. Not his criteria. And so what happens, we don't see the blessings, we don't see the miracles, and we don't see all the, the, the things that God wants us to see because we've made our God too small. God is greater than we are. 
God is bigger than we are. Is there anything that our God cannot do? But we limit God because of our unbelief. Isaiah saw God. He saw God in all of his glory. I have been praying for you all this week that this week you will see God in all of his glory and realize there's nothing in your life that he cannot do if you allow him to. See, we limit God. We limit God by our unbelief. We limit God by our inaction. We pray hoping that God will answer our prayers, but not really thinking he will answer our prayers. And so often we pray and God answers our prayer and we forgot what we prayed for. I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you that if you want to have the experience that Isaiah had, you've got to experience God's glory. And he wants you to do that. But not only must you experience God's glory, if you want to have his experience, you must sense your unworthiness. What, <laughs> what did Isaiah say? He saw God. You know, when I was in that orphanage as a little fella, six years old, seven years old, the older boys, and this is a huge, they call them children's homes now, but we call them orphanages, a huge orphanage. There were kids that were there from three years old till they got 18. When they 18, they had to leave. But the older boys delighted in picking on us younger boys. And I remember a time, it was, it, it, my life was miserable. I couldn't sleep. I was, I was, I was afraid. I was fearful because the older boys said they had saw the devil walk in the halls. And all of us kids in my bay, we were... We, you know, it was, it was terrible. And the nuns were having all kinds of problems. And I never forget the, the Sister Mary Catherine gathered us and said, Hey guys, think about this. If those boys had seen the devil walking the halls, they wouldn't act the way they do. They do. They'd be scared to death. Yeah, that made sense to me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when you experience God's glory, you're going to sense your unworthiness. What, what did Isaiah say? Woe is me. I'm a man who's undone, and I dwell amongst the people. I have unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people with unclean lips. Averse, reverse people. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you this morning that we now live in a perverse nation. And we live among a people of a perverse nature. But if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, doesn't mean that you don't sin. Hopefully you won't sin, and you'll sin less and less. But what it means is the bondage of sin has been broken in your life. And we have a means of being forgiven. What's the Bible say? 
If we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. How much of our unrighteousness? All of our unrighteousness. And, and, and John goes on to write, now if we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. And he says, my little children. Who's he writing to? The children of God. Because the Bible says, but as many as received them to them, he gave the privilege to become, I'm going to slow down because I want you to get this, the children of God. We're God's children. He says, oh, my little children, I write this to you that you sin not. But know that when you sin, you have an advocate with the, the Father who was the propitiation, which means who was the sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> Praise God. God doesn't take away our sin nature, but he gives us another nature to walk beside our sin nature. And that's our spiritual nature. And it's the one that we feed, the one that grows. So Isaiah saw God in all of his glory, and his first response is, I'm a man of unclean lips. Ladies and gentlemen, the closer you get to God, the more you grow in God, the more you have a sense of your unworthiness and the more you'll realize what God has done for you. So Isaiah saw God in all of his glory and he realized his unworthiness. But here's the good news. He was willing to receive God's cleansing. You, you, you remember the story? You remember what I just read in the Bible? The seraphim took a cold from God's altar with tongs. And he came. And, and where was... Where was Isaiah's, I'm a man of unclean lip. And so he touched his lips. And he, and he said, your sins have been purged. Your iniquity has been removed. You know, when I read the Bible, I read, God has taken my sin and removed it as far as east is from west. Now, this is a no-brainer. He doesn't say he removed it as far as north is from south. I'm right here in East Orlando. I get in an airplane and I go north. And I'm going north. And I cross the North Pole. What direction am I going? I'm going south. I cross the South Pole. What direction am I going? I'm going north. North and south meets. But if I get in an airplane and I go east, I go all the way around the globe and I come back and pass through this area again. What direction am I going? I'm going east. Or if I go west, and I go all the way around the globe, and I go west, I'm still going west. East and west never meet. And God says, I have removed your sin as far as east is from west. He says, I have, I have covered your sin, and I'll remember it no more. Atonement means, purge means atonement, and atonement means to be covered. So when God looks at you and he looks at me, he don't see us in our sin nature. He sees us in the righteousness of Christ. He sees the blood that covers us. Ladies and gentlemen, write this down. <laughs> this is a profound statement. 
there are a lot of people in hell who believe they deserve heaven because they believed they were good people because they, they thought they could do it on their own merit. And, and so they're in hell and they believe that they deserve heaven. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of people in heaven who know they deserve hell. But they're in heaven because they saw the glory of God. They heard the message. They heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit touched their heart. They realized their condition separated from God, separating from Christ. They were dead in their trespasses. They were without life. But when they received Christ, they received God's spirit, and they passed from death to life, and now they're a living soul, their body, their soul, and their spirit. And they have the holy, they have the holy heaven. They have the kingdom that's been prepared for them by Jesus. They have been willing to receive the cleansing, the cleansing of Christ. You know, when the seraphim told Isaiah that his sin had been purged, that his sin had been covered, I'm reminded about young Kippur, the Day of Atonement. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but one day a year in Israel, in the Jewish community, they have the Day of Atonement. And there's two lambs, two sheep. One they sacrifice and take the blood and, and, you, and in that ceremony, they used to sprinkle the blood on the Holy of Holies, representing the, the sacrifice of the lamb. And, and the other sheep, they used to tie all the sins of Israel on that sheep. And that sheep was led out into the wilderness, never to return. I thought about that this week as I was preparing this sermon. And I thought, how fortunate we are. We don't have to wait for one day of the year, the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. This morning, if you're here and there's something that God brings to your mind, all you got to do is say, Lord, please forgive me. Because I've done this. I have no excuse. And it wasn't the devil made me did to do it. I, I, I did it. But I ask you to forgive me. And I confess it to you. And let me go beyond this. Folks, that should be a day every day. But we have a time that we get aside. And we confess those things that are hindering us from being all that we can be in the kingdom of God. Oh, you know, people say, well, Herb, I've had this question. What happens if I die and I haven't confessed? Well, remember, your position is always a position of righteousness because you have the righteousness of Christ. But what we want, we not only want the position, we want our practice.
to match our position. And unfortunately, a lot of times our practice doesn't match our position. But that cannot change our position. So when Christ sees us, he sees the blood of Christ that covers us. Isn't God good? Is he good all the time? Does he love you? Yeah. How do you know he loves you? Yeah, Jesus died for you. He took your sin upon himself. But we've got to see, not only see the glory of God once, we need to, we, every day we need to seek the glory of God. We need to have a time with God. We need to have a, a time that we step aside from busy schedules and, and, and we pray and we study and, 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 we, and we get our marching orders and we, we confess our sin. And it's only when we see the glory of God, when we sense our unworthiness and we're willing to receive God's cleansing that we can do the last step. Only then and only then are we prepared to respond to God's call. That's the crux. Isaiah saw God high and lifted up. He understood he was a man who was undone. He realized he was a sinner. God cleansed him. And then he heard the voice of God. And God says, who will go for me? Who will go for me? Did you notice Isaiah didn't say, I can't go. He didn't say, I don't want to go. He didn't, he didn't say, I'm too busy. He didn't say, well, let me pray about it. Now, let me, let me take a little sidestep. Oh, that hurt. Let me take a little sidestep. I believe every child of God at one time or another ought to serve on a nominating committee. You all know what a nominating committee does? They're a committee that goes out amongst the church congregation to seek the staff to positions of the church, teachers and children's teachers and high school and middle school teachers, adult teachers, this committee, that committee, that committee, that committee. Because no, although the, the pastors lead the church, they have to have a lot of help for a church to function. Especially the larger you get, the more help you've got to have. I had the privilege, and it is a privilege. Anything you do for Christ is a privilege. I don't care how small it is, how big it is. If there's something that you're doing for Christ and for his church, it's a blessing. And it's a privilege. It is a privilege. But I had, I've had the opportunity to serve on several, when I was a layman and a deacon, on nominating committees. Folks, I have no problem. And I want you to hear my heart. I'm not fussing. I have no problem with somebody say, well, Herb, I'm not gifted in that area. Well, 
Don't worry about your giftedness because if God wants you to do something, he'll give you the gifts that you need and the ability to need. And he'll stretch you and you'll grow. You only grow in, as a child of God and being in service for God. That's the only way you grow. You just sit there and enjoy the congregation and feel good. And you go sit soaking sour. It's only, it's only in service that you grow. And I've had people say, Herb, I just, you know, I appreciate you asking me. Folks, I never, ever, ever, now hear my heart, I never got upset with anybody who said no. But this bothered me. I've had the privilege of being in one church for 20 years as a layman and preacher and pastor in one church. And I had the privilege of being in another church for 20 years. And in between, I had a privilege of being in two churches not for 20, but for, you know, five, six years. And it bothered me when individuals who were capable would say, let me pray about it. Now, that's, that's, that's the spiritual way of saying, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to be spiritual and I'm going to pray about it. And I have no problem with that. But I have a problem when I watch these same people over the years and they don't do anything. They're always on the receiving end, but never on the end of working. Now, praise God, our church is not like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to, the, to folks that, that are in service. But I'm preaching this message, making this point, because as the time as we grow... The more you grow, the more help you need, and the more people sometimes are not willing to get in there and help. And I always wondered about that. And then I, God called me in the ministry, and I graduated from seminary, and I was in the pastorate, and I got, to, I got to have the privilege of being on a nominating committee at associational level to fill positions in association and usually fill those positions with the pastors and staff members of our local churches. And you know what? <laughs> I'd ask this pastor to fill some important position in the association as a volunteer. And they'd say, let me pray about it. And then they'd say, well, Herb, I'm just so busy. And then it hit me. The Bible says the people will become like the leader. You heard what Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. Now, I stopped at verse 8. You need to read the rest of that. Do you know, do you know what the message of God that Isaiah, that God wanted Isaiah to impart upon the people? Here's the Here's the message that he was sent with. And this, and this, is, this is what his ministry was. He went out and he told the people, God's not going to bless you anymore. You become hard-hearted. You become stiff-necked. So you would think that God would say, go out there and tell the people to come unto me. He said, no. He said, don't come unto me because I'm not listening to you anymore. You've killed my prophets. You've disobeyed me. You've not kept my commandments. 
You, you go and you take the, the holy ordinances I give you and you've manipulated them not to bless me but to please you. You've, you've come up with other things that, that, that make what I intend to be a blessing to the people a hardship. I'm not listening to you anymore and you need to get ready for judgment because I'm getting ready to send an army against you and you're going to go into captivity. That's a harsh message. A harsh message. But here's the reason I'm preaching this. This is what God's laid on my heart. He wants us to experience his glory. He wants us to, to recognize our unworthiness, but he loves us anyway. He wants us to receive his cleansing, cleansing, and then he wants us prepared to go out and deliver his message and serve his church and grow his church and grow his kingdom. So his message today is not, I'm not listening to you. Judgment is coming. No, his message is, come to my son. Hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Receive Christ, and you will be saved. Saved from what? The coming wrath and judgment of God. Folks, he wants us to declare the gospel. He wants each of us to be a minister on mission for him. He wants us to grow his kingdom. He wants us to grow his church. He wants us to be all that we can be in the kingdom of God. He wants to give us the fullness and the joy. As I get ready to close, and, and, and I want you to take this, I, I want you to take this the way I intend it. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I have a good friend. I won't mention his name because some of us from Georgia know, know this fella. Him and I were in the same Sunday school class. Him and I were both new believers. Him and I were visitation partners. In fact, one night we were out visiting, and I was driving, and we're trying to find an address. And I don't know if any of you have been around the Atlanta area, but it's got hills, and so I'm going from this side to that side to this side. And we're just about ready to top a hill, and I'm on this side. And all of a sudden, this car comes flying over the hill, and I whipped the car over, and he just missed us by inches. And I looked at my friend, and he was white as a ghost. I said, don't worry, Jesus is riding with us. And he said, Herb, you keep driving like this, Jesus is going to get out. <laughs> but he lost his job. He had a very good job. And so he asked our Sunday school class to come to his house and have a time of prayer. And we went there. And we prayed that he would get a better job. A lot better job. And he fasted and prayed. Well, about that time I was offered a really good job. I had left the corporate world and started my own business. and My business was still struggling, but I could see potential. But I was offered this really good job. Really good. And I, I thought, no, I, I want to see if I can do it on my own. So I told the folks, it was a headhunter who came because of the job I'd had before. 
I said, you know, I'm really not interested, but I know a guy that would really fit this job. And so I gave him his name. They contacted him, and he took the job. And over the years, he became more successful and more successful and more successful and more successful. To the point, he became very successful. Last time I saw him, we were having breakfast. I had already been down here for a while. He, and he wanted to have breakfast with me. In the meantime, in this process, he lost his family. He very seldom went to church. And he said, Herb, what happened? He said, you and I used to run Nick the Nick. And I said, I don't mean to be mean, but here's what happened. The more successful you became, the less you made yourself available to God. And I says, I remember you and I having the same opportunities. And your response was always, let me pray about it. And then you come back and say, I'm too busy. This is what I don't want you to take wrong. Folks, if you're here this morning and you ever have an opportunity to do something for God or his church or his people, just say yes. Just say yes. And that's what I thought. I said, you always said no. I always said yes. Now, I don't, I don't have the success you have financially, but I have much, I'm much richer than you are because I still have my family. It breaks my heart because I love this guy. And I came to the conclusion that when a man becomes rich, God either gains a fortune or he loses a man. I hope you're willing to respond to God's call. And what's his first call? Be saved. If you're here this morning... You haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'd ask you today, let this be the day of your salvation. If you're not 100% sure that you go to heaven, if you're 99% sure, don't trust your eternal destiny on that 1%. If there's any doubt in your life at all this morning, pray with me as I prayed the prayer of salvation and receive Jesus Christ. If you're already saved, I invite you as I pray to come up here. If there's anything that you've been holding back from God, anything, give it to him this morning. You know, you know me. If something pops in my mind, I say it. So I, this just popped in my mind, so I'm going to say it. Years ago, I had the privilege of preaching. My wife's going to fuss at me because I put my hands over my mouth. Years ago, I had the privilege of preaching in Georgia, and I preached the message on Judas. I, I preached a message on that passage where he chastised the woman for anointing Christ. He said, we could have sold this and give the money to the poor. And it's a little side note. Sometimes we miss it. He said this not because he's worried about the poor, because he stole from the bag, because he, he was the keeper of the bag of the funds. You know, I don't know of anybody named Judas. And I used to be a little harder preacher then than I am now. I, I've, I've softened over the years. There's a little bit more humor. 
I was young then, but I made the comment. I said, a lot of you all here, and you think this is terrible. You think this is terrible because Judas stole from the bag. But how many of you here that you're stealing from God in his tithes and his offerings? It was just a comment. The next day, our administrator came to me and said, Herb, we're going to have you preach this message every quarter because every one of our deacons brought up their tithe. True story. So here's the point I'm trying to make. If there's anything, come to the altar. Give it to God. If you hold anything back, because if you hold anything back, you're, you're, you're putting a little stop in what God wants to do and the blessings that you can receive. Respond to his call. He never calls you to hurt you. He calls you to bless you. He calls you to bless you. And how many blessings do we miss? Because we don't do as Isaiah did. Lord, here I am. Send me. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for this day. We thank you for each person here. Lord, there's not a person here who's not important to you. There's not a person here that you don't love. But Lord... I pray that each of us would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that if there's anything that you've touched us with today, Lord, nobody around us may know, but, but you know. And so, Lord, I pray that we'll give it to you. I pray, Father, that, Lord, there will be all that we can be in the kingdom of God. And, Lord, if we're here today and we don't know that if we died right now that we go to heaven, Lord, I pray and I ask you for those who've been convicted this morning that they'd pray this simple prayer. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he can forgive me of my sin. So Jesus, right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you. Make me the person you want me to be. And thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.